Arizona Sports, the local sports leader, Bickley Blast. As we careen toward a new year in the Valley, here is a question for Arizona sports fans. Which DeAndre will be traded first, Ayton or Hopkins? It's also a very relevant question after the Suns' recent loss to the Wizards, where frustration with D.A. boiled over again on the court in full view of everyone. And after that blow-up in Game 7 last year, you would think there'd be a concerted effort not to let that happen again. So what this must be is A, the organization really has had it with Aiton, or B, there is some internal strife that is bleeding out onto the court because it cannot be contained. Because Bradley Beal was clearly surprised at the smoke Mikhail Bridges was throwing at DA on the free throw line, and after watching the video of Monty Williams, you see a guy not even trying to hide his disappointment, you know, kind of like me with Ferret. And after watching that loss to the Wizards, Charles Barkley proclaimed that the Suns aren't even close to being a championship contender anymore. So buckle up, Suns fans. The team can trade Aiton in 24 days, if my math is right. The new owner will likely be fast-tracked and on the scene by the end of January. And with the championship window being propped open by a cardboard wedge, things are going to get very interesting around here. All right, today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW. Make luxury affordable. They've got two great locations, and you can find them online at ChapmanBMW.com. And DeAndre and Mikhail love each other, so people stop. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Me me and K-Ray can argue all day long, okay? But we're brothers. We love each other. You have your differences. DeAndre and, and, and Mikhail had their differences last night. They were flustered. They went at it. Monty came into the middle of it to seize it because he was trying to work on the next play out of the huddle. It happens all the time. Right. So people stop. That's Eddie Johnson, Suns analyst, on yesterday with Wolf and Luke here on Arizona Sports. And there's different ways to look at this. Yeah. You can look at it Eddie Johnson's way and uh, and and the way the Suns have explained it, 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 it's an emotional game. It was an emotional time. It was a frustrating game. And on a big, pivotal play after the Suns had blown a 10-point lead, down five, they needed a hoop. And it appeared that DeAndre Ayton, who kind of, you know, he fell on the sword after it. He said yeah, it was deflating because I screwed up that last play. Mm-hmm. And you could tell he screwed it up, and they let him know he screwed it up. And it, I hate that for DeAndre Ayton in the moment, Bick, because he played a brilliant basketball game. He was good. Yeah, was really good. Very good yeah, in that game. Um, and it just seems like it's never good enough. That, you know, There were lots of things that led to that loss, but that's the, the, the vision we have. That's the, the, the visceral uh, reminder of, of that loss is what went on on the sidelines and, and what went on on the court between Mikel Bridges and DeAndre Ayton. The way he started that blast, though, which DeAndre gets traded first? Yeah. It's a good question, isn't it? I think so. I'm I, saying... I'm saying Hopkins. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm not. (laughs) And I said this earlier, Uh and I'll I'll reiterate it for for anybody who's just joining us. Mm -hmm. I fully thought this... this Monty Williams, DeAndre Ayton storyline, and maybe this is completely separate from what lingered from last year and trickled into the preseason at, at Media Day, because Media Day was weird for a number of different reasons. Oh, holy the God. fact that the Suns players had to deal with the Robert Sarver questions that day, 
and the DeAndre Ayton, um, you know, outward attitude, which was not at all like DeAndre Ayton, and he's been much more like himself ever since the season started. But mm-hmm. I thought that whole storyline had gone away, and here it is popping up again. Um, I'm not willing to close the door on something massive happening after January 15th. Do I expect it? No, but I'm. You know, would I be shocked if it happened? No. Yeah, I, I don't know what I think about that. I, I, I do think, again, I, I, and I, I have a lot of respect for Eddie Johnson. He played the game, and, and, and he's absolutely right. The Mikhail Bridges and DeAndre Ayton, you know, they've got a lot of love for each other, but that is also what made the scene kind of in, uh, kind of jarring to me, is knowing how Mikhail feels about these guys. He's not generally one to uh, emote negatively like that. Now, maybe it was all circumstance. Maybe it was being caught up in a game that was too much of a struggle, and, and it was a taffy pull for a while, and, and it was a game that the Suns knew they should win, and and they didn't execute. But if that's all it was, then why is Da being targeted the way he is? Mm-hmm. So it, it's to me. So I I think the answer probably might be DeAndre Hopkins because I do think that I, I, I the more I think about it, the more I think he will be traded, and I think it's going to be mutual. I think he's going to want to leave, and the Cardinals are going to want to get other value for him in return. The DeAndre Ayton piece, I don't think, I'm not sure there'd be any mutual about that. I don't know what his value would be, but I do think generally speaking, there's got to be something significant done to this basketball team. I, I really like Damian Lee. I really like Jock Landale. I, I like the Suns bench at times. Uh, oh, you know what? This would be a good time to break out the nickname that we teased. <laughs> because there's, oh, yeah. a, there's an X factor on the Suns bench that they refuse to use. we got to give credit where credit is due. From Brian, who tweeted us this morning and said, I really want Dan Bickley and Vince Murata to adopt my nickname of the Speedwagon for Dario Sharich. <laughs> so Dario inst- Speedwagon. So instead of Ario okay. Speedwagon, the famous rock and roll group from the 80s and 70s, Dario Speedwagon. I love it. I think that's I love incredibly it because it, creative. It fits. And it's funny and it's, it's ironic. ironic. It's facetious. Because he's anything but a anything speed wagon. Anything but a speed wagon. <laughs> but he is kind of a good wagon. It's, yeah, it's a great name. Just call him the Speedwagon. I like it. Like Better than Super it, Dario. Yeah. That's pretty good, though, too. It is, it is pretty good. But... Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, this is Dario Speedwagon. You got right. Listen, if you want to, if you want to play some Mario Speedwagon, you got to go. You got to go back. You got to go play Golden Country. You got to go play 157 Riverside Avenue. They had a little rock and roll in them back then. This People stuff know this is song. Yuck. I disagree. Yuck, I know. Yeah, because you're a you're a you're a karaoke guy. You probably wanna... you have probably performed this live. Have you? No. <laughs> I would. I would. This song makes me want to muster up all the courage I have and awkwardly ask a really cute girl to slow dance. I'm sorry. That's, that's the memory. Feet apart. Okay, okay, all right. Um, where would you, just anywhere, just in the living room? The, 
cute. Doesn't my, matter. My philosophy in life, Bick, you know this. Would you like to <laughs> the braid whole her? world is a school dance? Would you like to braid her hair afterwards, Vinny? <laughs> 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 Feed her Oreos in the moonlight. Double stuffed Oreos in the moonlight. Double, Double stuff is for paupers, Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> for paupers? It's Wait, mega you... or most or nothing. You want that mega stuff? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Gambo, what do you think about this song? I love I Ariel love Speedwagon. I listen to this on the treadmill. <laughs> this is my five-minute sprint. <laughs> my five-minute sprint. <laughs> oh, goodness. Can you tell it's like last day of school feel oh, we, today? We, we are definitely throwing off that vibe today. We are definitely throwing off yeah. that vibe. I can't wait till the show's over, till, and then I can find out who my teacher is for next year. <laughs> uh, coming up next, when you lock up a playoff spot early, yes, it's a blessing, but then you're also faced with some tough decisions. We'll get into this that uh, subject next and how different NFL coaches handle those tough decisions. Straight ahead, it's Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata. Dan Bickley and Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. It is the Thursday edition, the final pre-Christmas show for this particular show. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Dan Bickley, Vince Murata, Sarah Cazell, Lauren Koval in for uh, Jarrett. Today, of uh, a few shows all together next week, and then whoo, I can smell vacation time coming for me. I'm jealous. Same. <laughs> You're jealous. You just got back from one. That's why I'm jealous. <laughs> that is when you feel it the most. Your first day back at work, you're like, "Why am I here?" <laughs> well, right. It's 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 always good to be the the other the the guy to go next in rotation on vacation. Yeah. But whatever. I've only got I'll one deal. show next week. Bye. Oh, bye. Bye bye. See, ya. you headed out of town anymore, Sarah? No, I'll just be around. Yeah, mostly sleeping. We call that the Murata vacation. Indeed we do. <laughs> um, San Francisco 49ers wrapped up the NFC West title last week. They have been uh, quite the story this year because, uh, again, uh, as recent years, I mean, they've had a multi-year stretch of being ravaged by injuries. This year, no different. They're down to their third-string quarterback in Brock Purdy. But this year, it's not tripping them up. Um, so when you clinch this early, there's three weeks of football left to be played. And we've seen different philosophies through the years, to rest or not to rest. Mm -hmm. Kyle Shanahan had some uh, interesting thoughts and quotes on that very subject, on how he's going to handle this, you know, being a playoff team, being guaranteed a home playoff game at this point. And you would think maybe a team that has had as many injuries as the 49ers has, that he would take the safe approach and sit some people down. Nope. Kyle Shanahan, quote, I think that's one of the biggest mistakes people make just watching it over the years. That's my opinion. I would understand if you were getting ready for a seven-game series, but I don't think football is like that. It's three and a half hours. It's one shot. I've been on a lot of teams where you rest guys and or give guys a few more weeks, and those guys are usually the guys who struggle the most in that first playoff game. Isn't that very interesting? Yes. And I don't blame him because we have seen that you know backfire on a lot of head coaches in the past. Listen, so and the fact that he's bringing um, the fact that he's bringing personal experience to it, it's also interesting though because he's dealing with a team that for the last couple of years seems to have been really bit or slash susceptible. 
to injuries. Uh-huh. So you would think of all the coaches out there that would want to really kind of rein it back in, especially with a guy like Christian McCaffrey, and and it would be the 49ers, and yet he's got a, a strong philosophical belief that that's not the way you operate. Now, as a corollary, and, and Wolf has said this many, many times, that's the way Bill Belichick feels about football and training camp, that you play. That's what you do. You're here to play football. You're not here to sit on the sidelines and protect yourself. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it's. I admire that because I think it's counterintuitive and and it's it's sticking to his conviction. But could you imagine if if he's playing Christian McCaffrey against the Cardinals in the last week of the season in a game that doesn't mean much and he gets hurt? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're really he is, he is susceptible, and, yeah. and you open yourself up to being second guessed and mm-hmm. and obviously hurting your team's chances moving forward. Yeah. But I, I'm also of the belief, Bick, that you can't you can't play to avoid injury. You know, if you go in mm-hmm. there, or, or if you, if your philosophy is to avoid injury, you're probably going to get hurt. Mm-hmm. There's, I mean, there's no science there's, behind that. It's yeah. just a feel for for an individual. No, but. and there's a lot of truth to that. And I, I think we've we've kind of see, seen that happen. But it, it's it'll it'll be interesting to me because look, the Eagles have got pretty much they've got a headlock on the number one seed in the NFC. Who's going to get the number two seed? That's pretty much between the 49ers and the Cowboys, and that's maybe what Kyle Shanahan is looking at here. Mm-hmm. Because if if Jalen Hurts does not play this weekend, this game is in Dallas, you've got to like Dallas's chances to win. That puts them at 11 wins, and now the 49ers have to keep pace. It's What's going what's gonna to confound this matter is that the NFC South is going to get a home playoff game, and that team might have a losing record. And that team then, it, it, then there, that means there's going to be a really good record team below them, which means there's going to be a real tricky matchup for somebody. I mean, the Cardinals can actually make it fait accompli. If they find a way to beat Tampa Bay on Sunday, mm-hmm. the NFC South champion will, will have a losing have a record. Losing record. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. And, and this is exactly why I fear what this outcome is going to be on Sunday for the Cardinals, because the Buccaneers have lost two games in a row. Tom Brady is coming off a four-interception game. He was roundly mocked by Bengals defenders after the last game when they came back on him in the second half. And, and so that, I just, I, I think I think Tom Brady would be mortified to go into the playoffs as a 8-9 football team. We said this earlier, it, it, it bears repeating now for those who weren't around, Kurt Warner to this day is still bothered by all those people who labeled the Cardinals in 2008 as the worst playoff team of all time. Team that got to the Super Bowl, by the way. Yes. Going into and, the playoffs. Yeah, and that that's was a team was that was nine and seven. Mm-hmm. But they won a weak division. And they were blown out by 40 in, in New England a few weeks before the end of the regular season. There was a couple games where they got, hand, I mean, they gave up 56 points to the Jets that year. Oh, that's right. Minnesota beat them pretty handily. They got crushed on Thanksgiving night in Philadelphia. I mean, there was a there was a reason for people to believe yeah, that. Yeah, that it is was, true. It wasn't just, you know, a drive-by, hey, this team sucks. There was <laughs> right. some proof to it, uh-huh. and, they, and they won a weak division. But they had a fortuitous stretch. 
mm-hmm. because they got that home playoff game, which was huge, getting Atlanta to come in, a team with a rookie quarterback. Matt Ryan was a rookie. That's how long ago that was, yeah. by the way. Um, then they went on the There was nothing fluky about going on the road to Carolina and, and pounding that team. Mm-hmm. And then you got some luck to get the NFC Championship game in your backyard. There are there are people who believe, I don't know if we've talked about this, but there are, yes, I think we did bring this up. There are people who believe that that atrocious officiating at the end of the Commanders game last Monday night was was a direct reflection of how little Roger Goodell wants the Commanders in the playoffs. Now, that's really conspiratorial, but there are people who believe that. And and so and what I'm getting at is this: the, the, this bunching of NFC playoff teams underneath the teams that are obvious, and the teams that are obvious: the Eagles, the Cowboys, the 49ers, the winner of the NFC South, and the Vikings. Mm-hmm. What what is going to shake out underneath is going to be fascinating to me. So you got the Giants who can get their ninth win at Minnesota. I said Minnesota is probably going to be vulnerable coming off last week's incredibly emotional, historic comeback, right? So you think that that might happen, but in the NFL, you know, quite out. Quite frequently, the exact opposite happens. Commanders are still at seven wins. Seahawks are still at seven wins. The Packers are six and eight. They've got to go to Miami to play the Dolphins. It's and you know what we feel about that. The last thing, the last thing any of us want is the Packers to luck into the playoffs, the Buccaneers to limp into the playoffs, and suddenly we're standing staring at an NFC Championship game between Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. Oh man! <laughs> wow! Call it the Hiawaska Bowl. Hiawaska. <laughs> <laughs> Call it the Let's Softy. Go Smoke This Bowl. Jeez. Oh, um, going back to what we were talking about in the decision making on when to rest players. Obviously, mm. the Cardinals are not in that situation. They're going to play their players at this point, the ones that are healthy enough to play. But in our discussion yesterday with Mark Schlereth. We focused on the beginning of seasons because we saw a matchup between the Cardinals and Broncos in Denver last Sunday where they are two teams that had very similar approaches to the preseason, to training camp. It wasn't exactly taxing. It wasn't physical. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot going on. And you see the results. Um, now, is it solely a result of those practices practices in, in training camp? Yeah. Most people seem to think it's a factor, not everything. But Mark Schler brought up a great point, too, on, you know, in this day and age, we're obviously not going to have three-a-day practices or even two-a-day practices where you're tackling to the ground, good teams all do something in common. Two different perspectives. You've got to learn how to practice at a speed that is not only comparable to the game, but it's faster than the game without beating the snot out of one another. And and that's a like I said, it's a delicate balance, but it can be done. The teams that know how to do it get effective practices. The teams that don't, you know, have a patty cake practice, and and it's reflective in the game because you miss, you know, you miss the nuanced blocks. You miss wow. things because you're not prepared to do it. I think that's an interesting perspective because, again, we'll go back to the one shot of um, you know practice that really had a slow, slow speed rep in a, in a walkthrough yeah. from the Cardinals. And you know, when we used to be in middays and we did our show from Cardinals training camp, 
We would get to the stadium in time to catch the tail end of those walkthroughs. There's mm-hmm. not a whole lot of go- uh, not a lot going on there, uh, and that's no. early in the season during training camp. So yeah. I wonder, uh, moving forward, whether it's Cliff Kingsbury or somebody else at the helm, how much that philosophy changes in the preseason. I, I think a lot's got to change. I, I think the way they prepare, the way they handle training camp, the physicality, the accountability, and and I really think also this idea. I, I had not ever thought of it in those terms, but the way Mark Schlereth laid that out. It it kind of explains the conundrum of the of the head coach who is baffled by a bad Sunday performance because he thinks it came on the heels of a great week of practice. How does that happen? Well, by not practicing at the speed of a, a at, at true NFL speed, uh-huh. you will be deceived, and stuff will not translate. I thought that was fascinating, and I had not heard it expressed like that before. Yeah, I hadn't either. And Mark Slareth, pretty sharp guy, huh? Uh, this just in, by the way, uh, no Jalen Hurts Saturday for the Philadelphia yeah. Eagles. Not it's a surprise. Gardner Minshew's time to shine. <laughs> Could win that game. Gardner Minshew, mustache. Uh, you Yo, text yeah. your thoughts Decidedly. from the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Coming up next, Jared Carlin may not be with us right now, but his musical gifts linger. Gifts? <laughs> 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 that and more Cardinals talk straight ahead. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Kyler can't play. Baby, now Colts out too. We need him Sunday. Baby, now Colts out too. The season has Have been to put trace on so it. very long. More got hurt during this song. Nine months without Kyler Murray. Take a year, what's the hurry? We nearly lost our O-line. Kelvin Beecham still looks the fine. The fan base will start to worry. There's extensions, what's the hurry? That they're not even trying. What's the future of Cliff and Kyle? The experts might think. Maybe it's bad this year. That the Cardinals stink. No wins to be had this year. We need a start. The whole team is on IR. To get a ring. We'll have a top five pick this spring. I ought to say I don't the care. The season has been a nightmare. Then you know that I'd be lying. Working every week till I die. But Tyler can't play. And now it's twofold out. baby now colds out too. <laughs> I just can't get away from the guy. <laughs> Even when he's on vacation, I can't get away from the guy. Maybe it was the presence of Sarah. Yeah, well done, Sarah. That was great. Yeah, that was uh, that was very well done. I I think that that might be my favorite Jarrett Carlin (gasps) joint so far. What? That was great. Wow. (laughs) It was his best collaboration. Wow. Yeah. Well done. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Yeah, you've, you've, got, some, you've got some vocal talent, Sarah. Oh, bless you. Thank you. Uh, actually, au contraire, Jordan Ham will tell you, uh, Jarrett sent me the lyrics the night before we recorded, so I was just kind of like sketching it out in my head because yeah. it's so, you know, a lot of a very specific <laughs> tempo. And so I was like, Duh. and and Jordan goes, do you think you could sing the man's part? <laughs> and I think he was serious. Did you guys record that at the same time? Or we did. did. What? Yes, That's we per- went over into one of the news studios. But you sang, like, you sang the parts over each other. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's because that's hard to do. Yes, I think it would have been even harder to edit, though. So we just yeah, I think you're probably right about that. Well yeah. done. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I'll be honest, Sarah. I was kind of kind of <laughs> dreading that, but... <laughs> 
I might download. I might download it. Put it on a playlist later today. Uh, it's hitting Spotify. It's hitting Apple Music. It's dropping. It's drop. Yeah. Uh, hasn't that song though, in its original form, kind of become a little bit taboo? It it sure yeah. has. Yeah. Well, because a man is trying to trap a woman. Right. So. Yeah. Right, yeah, it's yeah, not 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 good. Do not leave my home. <laughs> yeah. I'm locking the I'm, door I'm, and I'm feeding yeah, you yeah. alcohol. <laughs> yeah. He's concerned about her safety in the cold. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh-huh. find her a jacket, call her a cab. <laughs> she wants to go home. Listen, Derek Carlin and Sarah Cazell with this week's uh, Cardinal song. Yeah, no Colt McCoy because baby now Colts out too. Hey, uh, Trace McSorley making his first NFL start. Uh, he talked yesterday when he addressed the media. Yeah, he gets his first start and goes against the guy, Tom Brady, first time out. Definitely excited about that. Uh, he's the GOAT, uh, and there's no two ways to put that. But, you know, I just got to focus on what I can control. I'm, I'm going against their defense, not against him. Um, so that's kind of the way I try and look at it. But, uh, you know, it, it is cool to kind of look back and realize that, you know, starting against him the first time. Yeah, and he's not coming in completely cold either because he did take over for Colt McCoy early in the third quarter after mm-hmm. that concussion. So got his feet wet a little bit in that Broncos game. It didn't go well. Was solely on him, but uh, how much does that help him going into his first start? Yeah, I mean, I think just being able to get the reps during the week of practice, getting familiar with the game plan, um, being able to have the communication with the coach about what, what I like, what I don't like, uh, things like that, and then obviously getting the timing down with these receivers and building chemistry with them during the week. I think those things are, will be really big for us this week and a good opportunity for us to get those things right going into Sunday. Yeah, and, and there is pressure. I mean, these guys do want to win games. I mean, that's been evident if you watch Hard Knocks. They want to, they want to finish strong. Uh, it's been a goal of theirs. It's not going well right now. I just I look at the level of desperation that these two teams will enter this game with Bick, and and it's quite the uh, quite the gap there because the Tampa yeah. Bay Buccaneers are still a playoff team. They're on track to have a home playoff game, and they can't jeopardize that by by losing to a team that's struggling as badly as the Cardinals do. So I expect to see the Buccaneers come come out and and really be the aggressors on Sunday. Yeah, listen, I I agree with all of that, Vinny. I think, and so the Cardinals are going to have to be fully invested emotionally in this game to hang with the Buccaneers because I do think, again, the Buccaneers are going to bring bring a a different kind of urgency slash intensity to this game. Now, are they good enough to take that urgency and put a blowout on the Cardinals? I don't know. I don't know if this Tampa offense is is even good enough to do that anymore. Uh, but I do think that they're going to be engaged, and I wonder what we're going to see from the Cardinals. And uh, I'll, I'll be curious to see if there are any players who played last week who suddenly are not playing this week. Uh, I'll see what that looks like. And, and keep in mind, as part of the hard knocks thing, Michael Bidwell got up and, and had to remind everybody, well, first of all, he, he let the team know that I can see those of you who are not who are cutting corners. Check this out. Yeah, it's really just one thing. You guys probably read in the news that Steve Keim is taking a health-related uh, leave of absence, and that, that we don't know how long. I think long-term he'll be fine. Uh, but in the meantime, I've asked both Quentin uh, Harris and Adrian Wilson to take over and fill his responsibilities. I've asked him to share this responsibility uh, for the foreseeable future, which is going to at least be through the end of the season. In the meantime, guys, we've got four games left, and uh, I'm as 
looking disappointed as everybody else in this room. I, I, and I know that there have been a lot of post-game remarks about let's, let's everybody lock in and let's everybody dial in. Uh, I can see who's really doing it. I can also see where sometimes people are cutting corners. You know, that really affects your play on, on Sundays. We've got to finish strong. Yeah, I mean, the, the part that stands out there, obviously, is when he talks, I can see who's, who's cutting the corners. Mm-hmm. And, and it affects your play on Sunday. Michael Bidwill has, you know, been around for a while. Is he a football guy by nature? No, but he's been around the sport his his entire life. And let's not forget, you know, one of those things that came out during the course of the season uh, that raised an eyebrow was that Michael Bidwell watches film with the coaches. Yes. Watches film with Cliff Kingsbury. And watches Vance film Joseph. with Vance Joseph. Yep. yep. So maybe some of that cutting the corners, these are the guys that aren't cutting it during the week and it comes out in the game film. Maybe that's shared with Michael Bidwell. Well, right that, now. Yes, I think that's probably where he sees it from. But that but if I were Michael Bidwell, that would also make me wonder about the head coach and, and, and the culture of this current organization. It, you can read between the lines and listen to what Michael Bidwell had to say there and that the fact that Adrian Will Wilson and Quentin Harris are going to be co-general managers of this team for the foreseeable future, at least through the end of the season. Is he looking at that as a possible methodology and structure next year going into a season with co-GMs? I yeah, I I, oh, I mean boy. you could certainly read into it that way. Yeah, that would be. I, I mean, and I don't want to diminish the, the opportunity that those yeah, the, do those I. two I, men have because it's a great opportunity, but. It's December 22nd with three weeks to play for a four-win football team. There's not much that you're going to do right now uh, that's going to be that impactful. Mm -hmm. It's business as usual for the scouting department. They're out there doing their job on the road, watching film, crunching tape, learning about prospects in terms of of, of, you know draft possibilities. Mm -hmm. The pro personnel department is doing what they do. Um, But yeah, the foreseeable future... I, I'm not sure what that means. Yeah, I'm not sure what that means. So, so to me, I think that uh, the idea of finishing strong, it's the, the Cardinals are going to have to be into it. They're going to have have to have some urgency, and and they obviously haven't have had struggled with this, Vinny. Mm-hmm. You can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at six twenty six twenty right now. Coming up next, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are in town on Sunday with Tom Brady at the helm. Has not been a smooth season for the Bucks, and we'll get a closer look with Greg Allman, who covers the NFC South for Fox Sports next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata mornings. Yeah, Bickley Murata Mornings rolls on here on this Thursday live from the Auction Community Studios. Buccaneers in town for a Christmas night showdown with the Arizona Cardinals at State Farm Stadium. Here to give us a closer look at the Buccaneers. He covers the NFC South for Fox Sports. Greg Allman, our guest here on the Arizona Sports Line. Greg, happy holidays to you. Thanks for joining us. Hey, happy holidays back to you guys. Hope you're doing well. Yes, uh, thank you very much. Um, you know, new job for you. You cover the Buccaneers for the Athletic, and you you uh, get the job with Fox Sports, cover the whole NFC South. Congratulations on that. But but of all years to get bumped up to cover a whole division, <laughs> you get this division this year. <laughs> yes, uh, I like the way it's uh, where I live in Tampa. That was a, a big draw. And, uh, yeah, it's one of those where uh, not quite as bad as the AFC South, I think, right now. But uh, anytime 
you're covering a team with a division leader who's six and eight. It's uh, good times for for the whole division. Yeah. yeah. So I've got a theory that this weekend's game on on Christmas night that the Buccaneers are going to have a, a focus that the Cardinals are going to have to match because I, I think Tom Brady would be mortally embarrassed to make the playoffs with a losing record. What do you What do you think about that? What do you think the Cardinals are in in for? Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Although they've definitely lost games with an eye towards that recently. Um, this is a Bucks team that, you know, for whatever reason, dealing with injuries, uh, other things, you know, they've lost to the Panthers, the Steelers, the Browns, uh, a lot of middling teams. Um, and, and again, Arizona, you, you go into it thinking even on the road, they're a favorite. They have much more on the line. Um, you talked about Brady and just the pride aspect of things. Yeah, this is the, the last kind of, besides the division title, the last consolation they can have is a winning record. Um, and they'd lose that with their next loss. Brady's literally never lost eight games in a season, period. So he's already kind of got to places he didn't want to get to. Uh, so, no, they'll, they'll be a motivated team, but I'll, I'll warn you that they've been fairly motivated uh, <laughs> in recent weeks, good. and it hasn't always. They yeah. were up 17 uh, nothing on, uh, at, you know, just for halftime last week and, and you know, gave up 34 points in a row. So. The problems offensively, and it's amazing to see a Tom Brady quarterback team still with weapons, and I know they, they do have uh, injury issues on the offensive line, but this is a team, Greg, as you well know, scored more than 23 points one time, and that was in a loss to the Chiefs in Week 4. It's just weird to see. When you pinpoint the offensive struggles, does it come down to injuries on the offensive line? Does it come down to you know Bruce Arians not being as involved, a philosophy problem offensively? What, what do you talk it up to yeah it's, it's a lot of things um to contribute to such a big drop off and it definitely starts with offensive line um they, they lost their center ryan jensen on the second practice at training camp um you know the guy that's filled in robert hainsey has played pretty well so i think unfortunately what it's done is it's made tom brady a guy who already gets rid of the ball really quickly get rid of it that much faster so i, I think a lot of the downfield passing a lot of the big play uh, exciting parts of this offense that had him as a 40-touchdown guy the last two years have disappeared. Um, you know, so they're not a good red zone offense. I think we lost him. I think yep. They have two touchdown passes all season, longer than 20 yards, and that's with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Julio Jones and a, a wealth of talent at receiver. Um, they have the worst running game in the NFL. Um, you know, it's like I think they have four rushing touchdowns this season after having 18 last year. So there's just a lot of things that have kind of conspired to make them a very ordinary offensive team, despite all the personnel they have. Yeah, and and I wonder, when you look at Tom Brady... how much of how much of the uh, the struggles that the offense has had this year is due to the offensive line, and how much is it to Tom maybe finally showing his age? Because there's a lot of people who have seen him a lot, and and they do kind of finally see that showing up in his game. What do you think? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the like I said, the big plays have have disappeared. You know, for a while there, the one thing you could say is that Brady was being really careful to avoid turnovers and avoid interceptions. Um, he had as many turnovers in a span of four plays on Sunday as he did in the first 11 games of the season, you know, and that's not very Brady-like. So he's gone from being a really careful 45-year-old to now being one that's making mistakes that directly contribute to losses. Um, and, and Sunday's kind of just uh, a bad quarter in a bad game. But, um, you know, for him to be sitting at 20 touchdowns when he's had 40 and 43 in the last two years with very much the same personnel, um, you know, this this isn't what he came out of retirement for. It can still be. Um, I always feel like Tom Brady's seasons are measured 
for their success in, in January and even February. So uh, this could be a team that wins the next three and has some momentum and wins the playoff game at home uh, to open the playoffs and then go somewhere, whether it's Minnesota or Philadelphia, and make some hay there. Or it could be a team that loses Sunday and is, again, making the playoffs with a losing record and maybe bowing out in one round. Um, you know, it, it's it's hard because what is a successful year for Tom Brady is very different than what is a successful year for the Bucs. They, they've never won back-to-back division titles in their history. Wow. So they have a chance to hang a banner that they don't get to hang very often regardless of record. I think it still means a lot. But there's still definitely that sense of disappointment just because this was a team that, you know, I think people thought – even with a 45-year-old quarterback, it's Tom Brady. So I think there's definitely high expectations that come with that. Greg Allman from Fox Sports, our guest here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. About that 45-year-old quarterback, Tom Brady, it's, it, it's weird to be talking about the future of a 45-year-old quarterback in the league, but when we talk right. about it, Greg, it's always like places like maybe a return to New England. Maybe he goes back to his childhood home in the Bay Area with San Francisco. It doesn't seem like Tampa Bay gets talked about as a part of Tom Brady's future. How do you gauge that right now? No, I think they could be. I mean, it, I, I don't think... First and foremost, I don't even know if Tom knows if this is his last season right now. You know, I mean, he's already been committed enough to retire and then committed enough to come back. <laughs> um, this season can go two very different ways in the next, you know, three weeks and change. So um, I think he likes the people he works with. I mean, I think this is basically the same cast that, you know, for the most part, won a Super Bowl. So I, I think he's, you know, aware of what he has here. I don't know how. Uh, the divorce and everything off field contributes to whether he wants to play another season or not. You know, that could, that could hit him two different ways. Um, so right now to see what a struggle this year has been, it would surprise me if he would come back. You, you'll hear people that, that are close to him that say, Oh, his desire to come back and play is even stronger than it was a year ago. So I, I, I don't pretend to know uh, how he feels about this, but I mean, he's still a guy that's going to be by the end of the week, throwing for 4,000 yards, um, a disappointment by his standards, but a pretty good year for for anybody at any age. The year that uh, Steve Wilkes spent in Arizona was very ragged. Uh, he was a one-and-done guy. He certainly didn't have a lot of help, and it was a, a very yeah. tumultuous year. He obviously was also very bitter at the Cardinals for not getting a longer opportunity. How real is his chance to to secure that job in Carolina, and what do you th- what, what has his impact been? Yeah, it, it's been neat to see. I mean, for them to be a team that, you know, is bad enough to give up on their coach with a lot of money on the table five games into the season and then to be four and four, um, still alive, they control their destiny. I mean, if they win their next three, they're the division champs. Um, they have to come here in Tampa in whatever it is, 10 days and beat the box, but they can do that. They beat them 20 to three earlier this year. So I think, I think Steve Wilkes probably done about as much as you can ask an interim coach to do. Uh, what we don't know is, is how big a splash David Tepper wants to make. You know, I mean, this is a new owner who has a chance to rebrand his team um, and, and might feel compelled to do that with a bigger name or a more exciting name than Steve Wilkes. I mean, as much as the fans have come to like him and know him, I think his players certainly have gotten to see what a leader he is. He's gotten more out of this team than a guy they believed in with that rule. So, I mean, I think there's definitely an opportunity for him. Um, probably had, you know, again, almost as long a chance as a head coach as he did in Arizona. When you think about having, you know, what is what will amount to 12 games. Um, right now, you have to see what he's done to get more out of something than someone else did. I don't know if that translates to him actually getting the, the job full-time. Alright, lastly, uh, there's been speculation that if, if the Cardinals move off of Cliff Kingsbury, Sean Payton might be a candidate. He was a former ball boy with the Cardinals, which he made very public. What are the odds he goes back to New Orleans next year? Do you, Have you heard any rumblings about that? 
Um, that would surprise me too. Um, you know, I think he's had a year to refresh and come back, and I don't know that Dennis Allen has done enough where he's secure there. But I don't know. That would that would surprise me a little bit if he went back there. Um, I, I don't. It's kind of trying to think of a precedent for somebody. Uh, retiring and coming back. I mean, Peyton had a year away from the team himself, but I don't. I don't think that's probably what he does. It wouldn't surprise me at all. Uh, I think Peyton, of the you know guys that have taken a year off and stepped away, he's probably about as big a name that there is. So um, he's going to be at the top of the list for any vacancy. Um, he's kind of in that position where he can kind of pick and choose the right situation too. Greg, thanks so much for joining us today. We really appreciate the uh, the time and the insight. And happy holidays to you. Oh, no problem. Same to you guys. Take care. Thank you. Greg Almond covers the NFC South for Fox Sports, who was our guest on the Arizona Sports Line. Coming up next, we hit the 9 o'clock hour. Sarah's going to take us through some social studies. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.